0: shadows
1: of imagination it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. So we're, we're up to season two episode five, I believe uh, this is Mama, which was Mama. A, an interesting choice because I it was a bigger production Hollywood one, but I don't remember it at all. So yes a, good it, choice.
0: a big production Hollywood one like you said <laughs> um, The fun thing for me is that it's not as big production Hollywood as you think. You think it's big production Hollywood because it um, had a big budget. Um, let's see. Yeah, it had a six a fifteen million dollar budget. It had a, a major star, right? Right. Um, Jessica Who I didn't Chastain. Even
1: recognize oh first. no, not at all. With like, the black friendly. hair and short,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, so it had a major star in it, and it was distributed by Universal. So. You know, it feels like a major motion picture, but it's actually not unlike the others, a Spanish film, with which is a Canadian-Spanish-Mexican collaboration.
1: That's common. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it also might have had a little bit of a common feel because while he did not direct it, Guillermo del Toro produced and financed it.
1: Yeah, I saw that. So
0: he had a lot of pull in it as well. And, um, it had some very traditional Guillermo del Toro feel to it. And it also had some very traditional Spanish, uh, dark fairy tale feel to it as well. Spanish films. Yes.
1: And I know when I was watching it, uh, cause Giller you know, that guy, he, uh, uh, since he did Pan's Labyrinth, which is just really amazing, I was thinking of that a lot, and I was comparing them, which isn't fair to movies or people to do. But hey, if you're involved in this really really cool thing, let's come, you know see how you do with this newer thing. Uh, and I I was like, this just is not the same type of horror movie as Pan's Labyrinth was at all.
0: No, no, it, it really isn't. Um, it was the similarities with the others continues um, in that the film is set in Clifton Forge, Virginia, but it's mostly shot at Pinewood studios in Toronto and in Quebec city. So it was shot outside of the U S while it was being supposed to be in the U S with a Argentinian director financed by a Spaniard Distributed that, see, that, by an American company.
1: That, that, that right there would have made me say, yeah, let's watch that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it You might have missed this because it was originally supposed to be released on Halloween in October of 2012. But Paranormal Activity 4 was releasing at that date. And so they decided to bump it. And they released it in January of 2013.
1: Uh, well, Paranormal Activity 4 was not the best one out of that group.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. But it was a, it was a known quantity, you know, yeah, so exactly. people would be more likely to go see it. Um, it was written by two Argentinian siblings, uh, Barbara Muschietti and her brother Andrew. And Andrew went on to direct the film. Okay, um, It's the only film that they ever wrote. But Andrew went on to direct a couple of films in Argentina. Um, he did a short version of this movie first, um, and uh, he did both of the chapters of the most recent version of It.
1: Oh, okay, nice.
0: And you'll you'll find that a lot of people who were in Mama showed up in It as well. And Again, we see where that a lot. yeah, where they like they have people they like working with, they stick with it. Yeah. Um he also has worked in uh, post production on uh, the Flash movie that's not out yet and on the Live Action Attack on Titan which is also not out yet. Okay. And he was a producer on Lock and Key. Oh, which nice. I I haven't watched uh but I know you have, right? Yeah, yeah the first season. Yeah. I'd read some of the books, but the the I had-
1: the the show just real quick is the kind of one of those where it's the same basic idea but goes in a different direction than the comics did. Uh, so it, at least you'll get surprised. It's not you know scene for scene, which has its merits also. I understand, but yeah, that's just not this one.
0: Um, the star of the film is Jessica Chastain, um, who plays Annabelle, and she has fifty seven credits to her name. Um, ER was her first uh, role. Right. She had a role, walk-on role in ER. Um, she was in Veronica Mars, um, Jolene, The Help, Texas Killing Field, Zero Dark Thirty, Interstellar, The Martian, Crimson Peak, X-Men right. Dark Phoenix, It Chapter Two. Um, in fact, 2012-2013 was a good period of time for her because she was uh, in um, The Killing Fields which was critically praised and she was right. in this, which actually got a lot of praise as well. So okay. it, this was a good stretch in her career. Not that her career's over or anything, just no, right. you know, it, was, <laughs> it was a good point for her.
1: She's become one of those that I actually went, Oh, she's in it. Yeah. I'll, I might check this out.
0: Yeah. Um, Nicolaj Kos, Coaster Waldau plays Lucas. He's Danish. And again, my apologies to all the Danish people out there for slaughtering how to pronounce your words. Uh, he's been in 62 other things, including Blackhawk Down, Gods of Egypt, The Simpsons, Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Uh, he was Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones.
1: Okay.
0: So. Uh, Daniel Cash plays the doctor, Dr. Dreyfus. He has, he's been in tons of stuff, 182 different credits. Wow. Um, including Aliens, the RoboCop TV show, Law and Order, The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, Goosebumps, Camp Rock, Camp of Rock Two, DeGrassi: The Next Generation. That show just churns people out for horror films.
1: <laughs> that's weird.
0: <laughs> I know, isn't it?
1: That, that's Star like Trek subchapter right there.
0: Yeah, Star Trek: Discovery, Orphan Black. Uh, he did voiceover for Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Watchdogs, Thief. Splinter Cell Blacklist. The guy's a very busy guy.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. But he's one of those that I'm like, man, he does look familiar, but I couldn't have named anything. We've probably yep. seen him a dozen Absolutely. times. Absolutely.
0: You know. Mm-hmm. Just in these little just these little right. roles, but you've seen him enough that um Megan uh Charpentier, she's Canadian. She plays the older version of Victoria. And I mention that because the kids in this movie, there's young versions of them and older versions of them. Megan plays the older version of Victoria. She is now 20, but she was 12 when they recorded the film. Wow. She's been in 39 things total, including Painkiller Jane, Jennifer's Body, um, that Gothic Red Robin Hood, Red Riding, Red Riding Hood that was out, uh, Supernatural. She was the Red Queen in um, Resident Evil Retribution. Oh, okay. uh, she was also in It and It Chapter Two. So uh, you see that a lot. Isabella Nilis is Canadian, and she plays the older Lily. She is now 18, but she was 10 while they recorded this. She only has 10 other movies to her credit. Um, She was in It. Mama was her first film. Um, Interesting note, she's uh, French-Canadian. She did not speak English very well at the time. And so that's one of the reasons why Lily speaks very little in this film.
1: That makes sense. But it worked. It
0: it needed to be. Oh, it did. Exactly. And then uh, this guy, I just love this guy, Javier uh, Botet. He plays Mama. He is a Spanish. Yeah. He is a Spanish actor who plays monsters. Um, He's got 110 credits, including Wreck, Wreck 2, Wreck 3, Witching and Bitching, Wreck 4, Crimson Peak, The Conjuring 2, Alien Covenant, The Mummy, the 2017 version. He was in It. Um, He was in the latest version of Insidious. Slender Man, Polaroid, Star Trek Discovery, Game of Thrones, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It chapter two in his house. This guy is like it's one of those kind of things where, you know, not all actors have to be pretty. And some of you can just be very tall and creepy with really long (laughs) fingers. And
1: it makes it work. I mean, you know, go with what you got. And you know, we'd probably never recognize him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, you wouldn't because the, the amount of time he had to spend in um in the chair getting made up for right. this is just huge.
1: I hope he's a good uh,
0: conversationalist. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know.
0: Yeah. Fifteen million dollar budget, it made two hundred and seventeen million worldwide. Wow. wow. So the movie did well. Um there is actually a sequel in the works. But it's been pushed back again and again and again, and it's rumored to be releasing in 2023. Uh, Muschietti actually passed on it because he was already committed to doing it, so it's being done by other people. Okay. So it's not the original director. It was nominated for 19 awards and got 11 wins, wow. including uh, the ASCAP, the Director's Guild of Canada, uh, the de reward which came up earlier. It was like an award ceremony specifically for horror movies in Europe somewhere. Um Botet, the guy who plays uh mama in this movie, has a syndrome called Marfan syndrome, which gives uh, him a very thin fig figure and very long fingers.
1: Yeah, okay, well that makes a lot of sense. So it's not all prosthetics and stuff. He, he, he Correct. Fits- that's, now, that's definitely using God's gifts, What? how you are, you know. That's right. It's not not going to be Brad Pitt, but man, when people need a, a spooky looking monster, they know who to call.
0: Yeah. Um, he's played female spirits before and he's worked with Machete in it playing the leprous hobo ghost creature thing. And it took him four hours a day to get into his makeup uh, for mama and then two hours to get out of it at the end of the day. So that's six hours of his work day just sitting in a chair. And,
1: and you know, those work days sometimes are 10 hours and stuff. So,
0: yep. Wow. Isabel and Elise, uh, at the time spoke a little English. It worked out well, but that's why she communicates so much with body language and things in the film. There's a scene where she ends up eating moths, which you can, th- which I'm sure you remember yeah. the moths, the production team had this great idea. They made the moths out of chocolate. So she would be sitting there eating the moths and it would be pleasant. But she hates chocolate. <laughs> so regardless, it might have not have been disgusting as if they were wiggling, but she wasn't really a big fan That's of, weird. Uh, yeah,
1: okay. side note. What is it with so many kids not liking? chocolate nowadays i don't remember a single person in school not liking chocolate when we were younger but i remember dylan uh your son was the first one that came over and said i I don't really like chocolate i'm like really and i there's multiple kids you know it seems weird so
0: he and kaylee are actually kind of interesting because she loves chocolate and he hates it and so whenever they get an ice cream cake you know, like a DQ ice cream cake, they would just split it in half and he would take her vanilla part with the icing and she'd get the chocolate part with the chocolate crunchy stuff on it. <laughs> oh, nice. And they were pretty happy with that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I That's, I can't explain it.
1: Yeah, weird.
0: <laughs> Somebody needs to do a movie
1: about <laughs> kids who, aren't, who don't like chocolate and they, they are controlled and take over the world or something.
0: They are now the red-headed children right. without Instead souls of like Village South Park. Of the damned. Yeah.
1: We'll watch that.
0: <laughs> Somewhere along the lines, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jessica Chastain was Michetti's only choice to play Annabelle. She, uh, nobody else was even considered. She based the character on uh, a singer in a Canadian band, the Crystal Castles, named Alice Glass. I've never heard of her or the band, but uh, that's who she based it on. The character was a bass player, so she took lessons to learn how to play bass. Nice. Which we all know, you know, how uh, hard can that be? Uh, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some links. Not of me though.
0: <laughs> um, and the so the last thing before well, the last thing before the second to last thing when you have um, Spanish films that have children in them a lot of times it does not end well for the children <laughs> that's a trope like if it's it, it kind of is Be, uh, if you think of pan's labyrinth yeah. uh the devil's backbone uh it, the others you know right and now this you, you take a look at this and there's this trend so you you know spoiler alert way ahead of time everybody knows but it doesn't end well for the children, at least for half of the children in this. And I guess so.
1: now that makes sense because we'll talk about that more at the end. But I had some <clears> comments <throat> about the choice in the ending, so I guess uh, it's something. If if it's a Spanish thing, expect it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and as far as what kind of movie this is, I mean, there's a visitation here from relatives, or you know, that's that that was my thought here. Is you have this. <laughs> old relative who's visiting you you know and that's never usually appreciated by everyone in the household um but i would classify this as a dark fairy tale yeah and um that got me off on this kind of side trope looking up what exactly is a fairy tale and everybody's got a list uh, and the fewest <laughs> number you can find are there. Are three points that make things a fairy tale. The biggest I saw was 10, 10 points that have to be included to be a fairy tale. But if you go with the three point fairy tale description, it has to have a clear beginning and an ending. It has to have elements of magic and it has to have good and evil characters tied within it. Okay. And so this film starts with childlike script writing out the words, "Once upon a time," yes, which is about I, I as like clear of an opening as you could possibly have.
1: Exactly. Now, your your definition there, I loved because George Lucas always thought of Star Wars as a modern fairy tale, and it fits those three criteria uh, in that regard.
0: Um, and as far oh, what on the that, well, I I suppose it does. The first one. Yeah, subsequent ones don't have as clear of an ending. You know what I mean? Yes. The beginnings always the beginnings always there, and like you know he he scripts it. You know it scrolls past you. This is the start of the thing. But then at the end of like Empire Strikes Back, so much was left up in the air. You're like, but but if you take that whole
1: trilogy as one story,
0: then yes, absolutely, uh, you're correct. Each trilogy.
1: Yeah, the first movie itself fits it all on its own. Yeah, it does but all had, by itself. He had to do that, you know, because wasn't sure they were going to make the other ones. <laughs> um, right. And as far as the visitation goes, I I was watching this. And I'm like, it's multiple visitations. Because, and this is a little spoilers, because you have the whole family visiting that psych house and getting the free rent and staying there, they're visiting, but then mama visits the house and Mm -hmm. the doctor visits the house. So you get all these visitors and then everybody visits the the old house where the girls had been staying and were visitors there. So it's multiple levels of visitation all over the place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There people, everyone's visiting everything here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: But it is really interesting that you point that out because you do have the first half of the movie where you have everybody coming into and visiting this one house. And then at the end, everybody ends up coming to and visiting this other house. So you have the modern world house where everyone's coming to visit. And then in the end, everyone's going back to the old world house, which is where the whole thing wraps up. Which
1: also is very you know in many fairy tales visiting the old house in the woods
0: <laughs> yep with yep. bad exactly. things happening <laughs> yeah um so that's one of the fascinating things you always talk about uh putting limits on yourself yeah. when you're when you're creating stuff and and this is a good example of that where he yeah. came in with like this i have this fairy tale framework i want to work within and you know and he did he did really well so yeah
1: So once upon Uh, a time,
0: once upon a time. And then it, it jumps right into what is the aftermath of the financial collapse of 2008. Yes. And what Milchetti does really well throughout this movie is he does exposition with various narrators throughout the entire film. And right at the start, it's a car radio is, is giving you all the exposition of what you need to know. Cause you hear like the news talking about the financial collapse. And then there was this business and two of the partners are shot dead and one's missing. And you're hearing this on the radio. And as it pans back, you see that this car is like parked on the curb with the door open outside of this very nice house. And the radio is letting you know, just basically it is taking the place of George Lucas's scrolling thing at the start telling you (laughs) what has come before. Right. Um, it's ironic. Also, the license plate on the car says "N1 Dad" on it, which is you know about to be evident. Not really a well earned reward. Right. And it was Maryland license plate. I'm I'm big on license plates. So. Oh, okay, that's a Maryland license plate.
1: Well, just have a side note, Supernatural. One of the biggest ones they used was Ohio.
0: Oh, but we cool. can't.
1: You can't get it as a. Custom one because I think somebody already has it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So one of the partners is missing, this guy named Jeffrey DeSange. And you get pretty quickly that this is Jeffrey DeSange's house. Two of his partners are dead. He's not there. The doors open. Things seem panicked. Um, there's the sound of a gunshot come from inside the house, and you're like, huh, oh, okay. So apparently this guy seems to have lost everything, and you get all of this within the first three minutes of the movie
1: right.
0: without actually even seeing any characters. It's just a car and a radio and a camera panning back and a gunshot sound. Right. Then we see a uh, young Victoria who is played by Morgan McGarry, who has not been really, I think in anything ever since, but that was the name of the actress who played young Victoria and she's standing at a curb and a crib and she hears the gunshot and she turns her head towards the sound. And you hear footsteps approaching the closed door and her father bursts in. And on his collar there's a little drop of blood out of his white, starched collar. And, you know, you can guess why. He grabs both of the girls and takes off and leaves the dog behind.
1: Yeah, I I made a note of that too. It's like, oh man, they leave the dog. <laughs> I said that's exactly what I said.
0: I have a note in here that says the dog survives this time (laughs) because Steve always notes how many dogs are dying in these freaking movies. I felt bad for the dog. And the thing
1: I I guess that was I I liked, uh, but it was also a little weird is I understand the collapse. This guy's upset, but they never really went into what he did even later. Uh, And why he's so distraught, he has to kill everybody. I mean, that seems very much of a major reaction. So you got to wonder what he did.
0: I suppose. uh, I don't know that it necessarily lends anything to the narrative. Exactly. Which
1: is why it's left out, left open. Uh, It's just and for an American movie, though, that's one of those things they usually like shoehorn in there because everybody has to know. But it's not relevant to this story.
0: You're 100% correct, but it's not an American film.
1: Well, that's true. It's a it fake just looks American like one. Film. It's
0: a fake American film.
1: Yeah. You yeah. knock over the, the front facade and you see behind it a Canadian Spanish setting.
0: Yeah, right. Um, now, not to be the driver's ed instructor again, but he's driving far too fast down snowy roads and is right. obviously distracted and emotionally upset. He should not have been driving that car. Well, just, the world tries to tell him. I mean, yes, upset. yeah, God, going too fast, daddy. Yeah, Victoria is like, you it. I have noted on here, he's going so fast, even Victoria comments on it. <laughs> and
1: where was he going
0: exactly? Because he, he didn't know, mother.
1: right? He just ran, but then in, in a few minutes, he's going to want to kill the girls. So why was he even running? <laughs>
0: Well, he takes off, he's driving, loses control of his car, it slides off of the road. And in your typical American film, that's it. Everyone's dead, because the car will explode when it reaches the bottom (laughs) of whatever cliff. More cars explode in movies than they do in real life. (laughs) Right. But we have to set Jeffrey and the girls aside, because we don't know what happened to them, because we cut back to the house, where there's police tape up, Lots of police, and we're introduced to Lucas, who is Jeff's brother, who arrives at the house and is asking what happened, and he's asking about the girls.
1: Now, as another aside, since this looked like an American movie, and we've talked about this, it it would have been not surprising to have a little five-minute thing, and then everything else was a flashback from that to get people interested. And we didn't do that at all. We started right. And it was a pretty good hook right at the beginning, you know, because mm-hmm. it looked like a zombie apocalypse.
0: Yeah. A little bit. It really did with the car abandoned yeah. and just panning back. Yeah. And gunshot. Fiscally, it was a zombie apocalypse. Well, yeah. Uh, but Lucas asks about the girls, which brings us back to the girls. And they're uh, back at the car crash. Everyone survived. The radio continues to fill in exposition as uh, Jeffrey and the girls walk away from the accident site. And they're walking away. The girls are getting cold, but they find a house. And the name of the house is Helvetia. It's written on a sign in the front of the house. Helvetia is the name of an asteroid. It's also the name of a Seattle-based rock band, an insurance company, a ship, a spider, a train, and a ghost town in Arizona. Wow. (laughs) But it's most famously known as the allegorical female personification of the country of Switzerland.
1: Ah, well, that's interesting.
0: It is Switzerland, uh, well, Helvetia was named after the Gaulish tribes who lived in the area of Switzerland and who battled against Julius Caesar. And in this case, you have uh, Mama, who has her own set of beliefs and uh, traits and things she likes as the barbarian, Right. Beating against the Caesar, which is the modern world, which is Lucas and Annabelle and the girls in their new modern existence. So yeah, that's
1: a that's a good one.
0: I thought that was a real subtle little thing that he tied in there. But yeah. I, when I first saw the movie and saw it, I thought it said Helvetica. And being a designer, I'm like,
1: <laughs> why would you? I thought the same thing.
0: Name your cabin after a font. Right welcome to copper plate. because what? you wanted to have
1: certain curly cues for all the that's or- right. <laughs> yes.
0: But no, it's not, it's Helvetia, not Helvetica. Right. Uh, so Jeffrey takes the girls inside. Um, Victoria knows that there's someone inside. She has seen movements.
1: Yes. And, and that's something I loved because we talk a lot about that with paranormal stuff around here. And uh, whenever we watch, any videos. Oh, check this video out. If it's just some people and it's shaky, you know, it's like, well, that's too easy to be fake. But when you see a little kid doing something, talking to somebody or doing something just out of the blue, it makes you go, whoa, what is going on? Because it's been kind of shown our brains change and we can't perceive things the same way. Yes. So I loved that he did that. That was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, he goes in, and from the looks of it, it was a very nice house. And <laughs> I get years ago, it even kind of has that Swiss aesthetic with the furniture and stuff. It's all these very clean lines and stuff. Yeah. He doesn't care because he's smashing the chairs up and lighting a fire in the fireplace. He's not appreciating the decor. Um, he's having this little breakdown, and Victoria's telling him there's a woman outside, and she's not touching the floor. And you're like, <laughs> oh. But he doesn't seem to pay any attention to that, um, and he's trying to decide whether to shoot himself or to kill the girls, right. because apparently he's in a really bad mental state. Yeah, and I guess in what well, he, he left imagines, the dog alive. So he's he did. not completely irredeemable. The dog <laughs> survives to the end of the film, so yeah, kudos. He does. <laughs> Um, in what I assume he imagines to be mercy, he decides he's going to kill the girls as opposed to leaving them to starve or freeze to death
1: because all of this is a better choice than just leaving them at the house with their living mother,
0: whatever you did, man. Right. But he doesn't get the chance to, I mean, he has, um, Victoria take her glasses off first. He's like, look, there's a deer and she's looking out the window and then he like takes her glasses off of her and he's getting ready to shoot her. And she turns around and you're seeing it from her eyes, which are blurry because she doesn't have her glasses on. And something just like floats up behind the figure that is her father, wraps him up and lifts him into the air. And um, it carries daddy away (laughs) quickly. Yeah.
1: Now I loved that with the glasses and throughout the movie, Whenever, because there's a couple times she takes the glasses off because that's how mother looks to her, and I'm so I was like because then when she puts the glasses on, she's more modern. So I, I, it was Mm -hmm. a symbol throughout the whole movie. Yep. With the glasses off, she's that feral child again, reverted and seeing mother, but she could see the world differently with the glasses on. I mean, it was strong symbolism, which we talk about. Yeah, it is
0: it 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 was a symbolism of of clarity of mind and vision which society has and mama does not and it also was a a, a symbol of sophistication and civilization and you know which again is not something mama's into so <laughs> um and the entire time she was there she didn't have her glasses right while she was living in Helvetia she doesn't have her glasses Um, She and the newly orphaned Lily are sitting in front of the dying fire and a cherry rolls across the floor from the shadows. And this is 110% Guillermo del Toro kind of thing right there where, oh, here's a cherry. And it's just going to come out of the shadows into this lit circle. Uh, And I think she's like, look, Lily, it's a cherry. Yeah. And you get this silhouetted glimpse of mama and her hair's billowing out like she's underwater. Right. And it cuts to the title cards and here's, we get a new shift in who's giving us um, all of our story instead of it being the radio. The exposition is done with children's drawings instead. Right. While the credits are rolling.
1: Yeah. I loved that showing it, it helped show the passage of time. It helps show what was, what their life was. It was the story of their life in 10 pictures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really was. Um, You know, they're eating raw, wild animals. They're being attacked by things. They're like being lifted up to the roof by mama. Right. Um, There's times when they're smiling. There's times when they're not. They're walking on all fours. Yep. And you have moths. These moths show up as a symbol for mama. And so whenever she's nearby or she's being influential, there are these moths it, that are it, there. It had a,
1: a definitely a, a adventure game, video game feel at times with stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it did. <clears throat> um, now we get to see Lucas five years later. And he's in his apartment.
1: And he has and, the
0: dog. And he so has the dog. Good. Yes. And for God's sakes, would someone please write a movie about an accountant or about a guy who stock shelves at the grocery store or works in a restaurant or something? Why are they always freaking <laughs> artists? Right. For the love of God, there's not that many of us out there and it's not that great of a job, people. It's Artist
1: the- or author.
0: She's a musician. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just, oh my God, come on. But here he is. He's your typical disorganized artist. He's got crap all over the place, but he's super hip. He's got those glasses that come apart in the middle. You know, that's kind of cool. Um, he's been working with a local tracker named Burnsy, who is combing through the mountains for signs of his brother or his nieces. Um, and he's kind of run out of money. He's taken all of the money that he's gotten from... The settlement of his brother's estate, and he's basically spent it all on this, and that's what he's doing. And while he's doing that, Jessica Chastain's character Annabelle is in the bathroom waiting for a pregnancy test, which comes back negative, and she is overjoyed by that. Right. Um, and that kind of sets up the two characters just that one little scene you've yeah. got Lucas who is this ridiculously caring head in the clouds kind of guy who's going to do whatever it takes to bring it close to the chapter of his brother. And then you have Annabelle who's like in the moment right now and wants nothing to do with responsibilities, Certainly not kids. Right. Bernsie and his partner are just sitting in the woods having lunch, you know, as one does when one's out walking <laughs> through the woods And his partner wanders off to pee, again, as one does when (laughs) when it's out in the woods. And while he's peeing, he sees the car.
1: Right.
0: So they have Victoria's childhood stuffed animal, and they have their bloodhound. He sniffs it, and they're off. The dog leads them directly to Helvetia. As soon as Bernsey enters, a moth flutters down the hall. And he sees these children's illustrations on the wall, and an improvised doll, and a giant giant pile of cherry pits.
1: Yeah. And I liked that because I wasn't a hundred percent sure how much time had passed. The car was a little covered, uh, you know, but showing this pit of cherry, it's like, okay, now I got an idea of how long it passed and how did those girls survive on only a cherries. <laughs> He
0: Well, you saw in the illustrations, they tried eating dead animals too. Wolves. So
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, behind him while he's looking at this pile of cherries you can see there is this little child figure hunched in the shadows like on all fours just looking at him um his partner like hears scurrying sees the girls is freaked out by it (laughs) and um both girls jump on top of the refrigerator And they're certainly, like, they're complete wild animals crawling on all fours. And they did really good with that. I mean,
1: those girls, for as young as they were, they really were good at doing all that.
0: Yes. And Bernsey seems relatively unsettled. But other than that is, you know, it's time to make that call. Yeah. So uh, he calls and lets Lucas know. Now, we don't get to see his conversation with Lucas, but we do get to see Annabelle and her rock and band practicing. And suddenly the door opens and the lead singer, of course, looks annoyed that someone has interrupted her melodious singing.
1: I don't know anybody like that.
0: <laughs> Lucas just comes in and is like, the girls are found and they're alive. And Annabelle's like, "Holy oh shit. Well, how is this even possible? <laughs> and we are introduced to Dr. Dreyfus. Um, they have the girls set up in like what looks like a typical bedroom with two way glass so they can watch them. And the girls are not normal girls. Now they're like hiding behind the bed or under the bed, crawling around on all fours. Yes. The doctor takes uh, a pair of glasses and gives them to Lucas and sends him in to give them to Victoria, (laughs) which um, I don't know. That seems like pretty much right in the deep end. Yeah, I was thinking the same
1: thing. I'm like, I'm waiting for the girls to attack him. And I'm like, this guy has no training. And this doctor's like, yeah, go ahead. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. There'll be no Um, issues.
0: As soon as he walks in, Victoria and Lily dive under the bed. And like Victoria takes a swipe at him, but he manages to get her to take the glasses. And she puts them on and looks at him and calls him daddy. And he freaks out a little bit by that. He's like, no, I'm your super cool Uncle Luke. I couldn't possibly be your daddy. Oh,
1: thank Um, God you don't write dialogue for
0: movies. (laughs) (laughs) She approaches him and gives him this hug and calls him dad, and then he hugs her back. And, um, you know, the initial bonds of regular human society have now been laid with With, uh, Victoria.
1: With Victoria.
0: Yeah, not so much with Lily. Yeah. Uh, The next scene is a custody case, which um, the doctor continues the exposition now. It's gone from the radio to the children's illustrations, and now it's the doctor testifying in court with video. um, And he shows how the girls have begun to adapt to civilization, but they're still clinging to this mythical figure that he believes they've created called Mama. Jeffrey's wife's aunt is trying to get custody since uh, Lucas and Annabelle are obviously, you know, irresponsible artists, musician people. And, you know, she actually probably has a decent point there.
1: Yeah, she does. But I, I wondered what her motivation for being so aggressive to want these girls.
0: And that's a really good point. It was kind of like they took, take older Karen white lady and just have her be there to be mean demand to have her way. Yeah. Character.
1: Yeah. They didn't set anything up ahead of time to show like even a picture on the mantle when they were going through the house, you know, something to set her up, but there was nothing. I was a little like, "Eh."
0: so Jean aunt Jean is one of the weak parts of this film. In my opinion, whenever you, whenever you watch a movie and there is this character at odds with everyone else, you're guaranteed they're basically just there to be sacrificed to whatever monster spirit ghost there is.
1: <laughs> well, that theory holds up true here.
0: <laughs> it does.
1: Yeah, because I, I, her whole aggressiveness, I, I didn't get. They didn't set it up. All they If they would have set it up a little better at the beginning, she would have fit better. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they were moving on so quick. Maybe it got cut. Maybe they didn't think about it. I don't know
0: or at least make her likable at least. Well, so, yeah. As a viewer, there's some conflict of interest, you know, you're kind of like, well, she's kind of nice and she has a point, but you know, they just made her a complete bitch. So, it right. was like,
1: you know, show her at some point sitting at home watching videos where she was with the girls at birthday parties or something. That would yeah. have worked well too. But, you know, we yeah. don't we don't make movies, so I guess we can't.
0: Complain. We don't. And <laughs> you know, if this is the one week part of the film, that's still, you know, yeah. It's forgivable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. She wants the kids to go live with her, and the doctor's like, no. Uh, I mean, he he goes and tells Lucas that you know I don't want her taking the kids halfway across country because I want to study them. He has ulterior motives. There's <laughs> a book deal in here. Yeah. We will give you a house as long as you <laughs> let me to keep st- allow me to keep studying them and the judge will do whatever I say and so Lucas is like yeah okay
1: and I had to I'm like wow do they really have houses like that set up so they can observe like people I was like that seems a
0: little like extreme but okay I don't know if they'd actually have something like that maybe I mean or is a safe house or something like that for a, a you know a, a psychiatric kind of firm. I can see where they'd have something like that, like a halfway house kind of deal. Yeah. But just for study and research seems a little odd, but and it's a huge house.
1: <laughs> it know? is.
0: It's a very nice house. Um, the doctor starts doing hypnotherapy on Victoria and he's asking her to recount her time in the wilderness. And he asks her for the story. And so Victoria begins almost like it's an own very fairy, fairy tale. She's like, yeah. it was a long time ago. And then she describes this woman who escaped from a hospital for sad people. um, And she jumped into the water. And Dr. Dreyfus wants to know how she could know that story. And he's like, did mama tell you that story? And she's like, she showed me in a dream. And those words become, they're very prescient for what ends up happening later on in the movie.
1: And, And the story she told, it made me start thinking that this seems a lot like, uh, there's an urban legend, myth, whatever, of La Llorona, and this story seemed a lot like it—the woman in white, you know, the the woman drowning her kid and then lamenting it, and you know, traveling the earth, uh, looking for people or whatever. I was like, oh, it's yeah. kind of a variation on
0: that—a cultural, a cultural kind of nod yeah. to it. Um, Annabelle's talking to the lead singer of their band and saying how the girls are messed up and she didn't even get to do it. And the lead singer's like, you got to dump him. And (laughs) she's like, I can't. She's like, but you're a rock star. She's like, I was. So now she's, now she's begrudgingly a mother to two messed up little girls.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, pretty much sums up any parent's life, but
0: yeah, we
1: at least get a couple years to ease into it.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Uh, Dreyfus brings the girls to the new house. Lily spends her time hiding behind Victoria, not wearing shoes. And Annabelle is introducing herself. Lily calls her mama, which she's not thrilled about because she's thinking of, oh, she thinks I'm her mother. No, that's just what Lily calls anything that seems vaguely female. Apparently. Um, the girls walk through the house and head out into the backyard and there's all these empty boxes back there. And Lily jumps into an empty box, just like a cat. Um, but Victoria sees handsome, which is the name of their dog.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and she starts to pet him and then look back and she smiles and like, they're just these steps. As you can see, as she progresses back towards normalcy, first it was the glasses and now it's the dog.
1: She, she had some of that. So it's easier
0: Lily really yeah, did. way easier for her. Um, the scenes follow, illustrate how the girls are adjusting. So like Victoria's sitting at the table to eat, um, but she's struggling using utensils while Lily's sitting on the floor eating cherries, you know? Or um, Victoria sleeps in the bed, and Lily sleeps under it. And at night, Victoria's asleep. Lily opens her eyes after the lights are out and the door is closed because she's pretty much this nocturnal animal. Dreyfus goes to the uh, Clifton Forge public records office. He's looking for information on Victoria's story about the sad woman. And the story behind the counter is like, there aren't any uh, police reports between 2008 and 2012 that match that story. There aren't any mental hospitals anywhere near Clifton Forge, within 20 miles or something. But then she mentioned St. Gertrude's Asylum, which is a mere five miles away, but it was shut down in 1878. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a story that matches the story, telling the tale of patient Edith Brennan. And so it appears that perhaps this Edith Brennan person is who Mama was at one point in time.
1: And there was something wrong with her even in those visions and stuff because she long skinny arms and you know yes. even in the real life person before she became the spirit and stuff so yeah there's something wrong and, and this comes up later too but even in those visions they saw in the past whenever the lady edith mama touched someone it had the the black spider webby veins running out of it so it was always all these visions are always a cross between the real and memory and then like the supernatural paranormal parts of it and it was interesting um
0: a few times hard to know
1: what was going on but
0: you bring this up frequently where you're like i wonder if there was some supernatural element to this edith brennan right before she died just like you did with the uh, audition Right, right, and you're like, maybe, maybe she's got this power, you know. And I hadn't really given it any thought. I just assumed it was her being crazy. But now you mention it, maybe not. Maybe she was like some sort of witch or something oh, like that.
1: And, and it's also a, you know, Guillermo thing. He, you see stuff like that in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that little, there's that little twist of fantasy added in.
0: Yeah. I would be really, really interested to see how much influence he had on the film. That's true. That's just true just because I wonder if like this is Marchetti's vision of what it was, or if he had something else in mind and Guillermo de Toro's like, no, oh, you know what, it'd be really cool if there's this black spider webby thing whenever she touched people.
1: Yeah, and well, like, you know, if, if you're oh, doing okay. a movie and Guillermo's involved, you might listen to him. <laughs> right, know? yeah. Can't hurt him. Yeah.
0: Uh, So we cut back to the girls in the house and they're coloring on the walls of their room, which I think is something all kids should be encouraged to do. Color on the walls of your room for crying out loud.
1: We we had a a chalkboard spray and Mm. uh, Megan painted things all over her walls. Yeah.
0: Yep. Just paint Um, on it, man. They're sitting there and they're humming this creepy little tune. What's with kids humming creepy tunes like um, in The Innocents, right? Right. Lily's drawing a moth. And looks to her left, and there's an actual moth sitting there. And while she's looking at it, Victoria grabs her blanket and runs off like it's a game. And it starts a game of chase. Annabelle's downstairs doing laundry and takes the clothes upstairs. And she enters one room, and this shot is actually really well done. You can see the girl's door is open, and then a hall, and you can see their rooms. So Annabelle's in one of those rooms, and you see Lily playing tug-of-war with her blanket. Um. then we see Victoria's not in the room. So she's playing tug-of-war with whom? Right. Who could it and possibly I, be?
1: I made a note of that shot, too, because that's a common horror thing where they use the environment to split the scene and you see things that, you know, as a third-party observer that you wouldn't have seen uh, in a more close-up shot, or changing angles. Yeah, And they did it without any type of mirrors, you know, anything like that. It was just... Yeah end of the hall with the right angle to look at everything and,
0: architectural design for that
1: yeah and once you realize hey that's not victoria playing with lily and then you see lily on the ceiling
0: <laughs> yes lily starts to float um and annabelle's heading down towards the room but just before she gets there victoria calls her away so she doesn't go in and that raises a question was it to protect mama from being seen or was it to protect Annabelle from being killed by Mama when she saw her,
1: right?
0: Um, and and
1: again, we... that shows Victoria being torn between the two worlds too.
0: Yep, because when she goes back to the room, she takes her glasses off before she goes in. Yeah, because that's what Mama's going to expect. Then she closes the door, and we see, like you said, Lily's legs as she's floating through the air. Annabelle's in the ba- in uh, practicing her bass in the kitchen of course, because that's where one does practice yeah, their base. And the lights start to flicker and she thinks it's the amp and she turns the amp off and notices that the lights are still flickering. Then the lights go out and they flicker on just long enough that we can see Lily standing in the background. Then the lights come back on and Lily's on the counter and jumps off in this shared jump scare for both the audience and Annabelle. Everyone's like, whoa, yeah. there is actually a jump scare in this film it comes up later that happened that while I was watching it with the headphones in, I actually jumped and I like laughed and, uh, I was watching on the laptop with my headphones in and I think maybe Kaylee was there. Kaylee was home and she's like, "What what's that? I'm like, it was just a jump scare. It was just really well done. Yeah. It got me.
1: There's one in yeah. hell house LLC that got me. Uh, and I knew it was coming it still got me.
0: Yeah. Um, Annabelle is telling Lucas about this and she's like, she's not ready for this. And they start to kind of make out and, you know, and then all of a sudden she catches a glimpse of mama in the mirror and she's convinced someone's in the house and she's right. It's just yeah, not she like
1: is. She actual. Just sounds someone. Crazy.
0: <laughs> yes. So Lucas goes to check in on the girl's room and the door's ajar and it pulls closed just before he can touch the handle. He opens it and notices that the windows open, but the girls both seem to be asleep. He decides to go downstairs and check. But on the way down, he notices a moth and then this weird rotted hole in the wall. And as he's investigating it, it gets bigger and moth, more moths climb out. And then these fingers kind of reach through the hole and the shock sends him reeling backwards. And he takes a serious fall down the stairs.
1: Yeah. Does he go, does he go over the railing first? Or does he just go down the stairs? No,
0: I think he does go over the railing, hit the stairs and like bounces like twice.
1: Right. Cause I was like, damn, you really got to be jumping back to flip over a railing. That's like about chest height. (laughs) I mean, the balance just isn't there, but, and, and that's a, you know, you got to wonder then is, did he really see that there or was it all in his mind? Uh, Which is what a lot of these movies play with. And I always like that.
0: Well, he ends up in a coma.
1: That's, so at least that it wasn't was a, a serious
0: neck. <laughs> I see. That's that was my first concern. Um, it takes uh, and the film here takes this kind of feminist turn as Annabelle because up until now, Annabelle was just a supporting character. Right. You know, it was like Lucas and the girls, um, and the Doctor, and now Annabelle is like, it's her. You know, she is the one, kind and yeah. And, like, right out of the gate, the cops are there asking her about these, you know, the person who supposedly was in the house. And they're very dismissive. And she's dismissive back. She's like, whatever. Richmond's finest. And rolls her eyes. Like, you know, she's not taking crap from anybody. Yeah. She's also honest with the girls. She, like, sits down and she's like, look, I don't know how this is going to work out, but we're going to try. And we'll see what happens.
1: She definitely has a, a very punk attitude through the whole thing. Yeah, uh, which she pets. does. Pretty much she, right up
0: until the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then she suddenly becomes a, a mother.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: very, very good too.
0: And Annabelle's having dreams about, you know, mysterious groaning sounds in the house and things. So she has she's got some sort of PTSD just over the trauma from their initial contact <laughs> with mama. Uh, Dreyfus comes over to look at the new drawings. And as he's looking at the pictures, he finds this makeshift doll from Helvetia. And, um, he goes through his hypnotherapy data and finds out that the doll was made by mama. And during his line of questioning, he catches Victoria looking up over his shoulder while she's answering. And now he's paranoidly looking over his shoulder <laughs> He gets a message from the lady at the public records telling him that she found something he would want to see. What that is, we'll have to wait because we cut back to the house now. And Annabelle's opening a can of food and Victoria's coloring maybe at the table. Uh-huh. And Lily is unspooling paper towels and kind of chewing on them. <laughs> and she asks them if they're okay. And they both nod yes. And Lily keeps looking over her shoulder into the other room and smiles which is, you know, like a moth. We know that means that mama must be nearby.
1: Right.
0: Annabelle tucks Victoria into bed and tells her good night. Lily just yells no at her. So she leaves and goes to bed. In the girls' room, the closet door slowly opens, and the dog is in there and starts to growl, patting over to the closet door. And I thought, oh, Steve's not going to like this if mama kills the dog. (laughs) Lily crawls but, out. From he's, under... he's
1: a little wiener dog, so he's not really yeah. the biggest attack animal.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Lily crawls out from under her bed, and um, she goes over and says, "Victoria, come, Mama." And Annabelle can hear Lily humming through the air vents, and then a mature voice starts to hum the same song. And she heads down to their room hearing the girls giggling and laughing. And she opens the door and sees just the two of them. And she's like, it's late. You know what time it is? And she walks over where the closet door is ajar. And Victoria says, don't, don't go into the closet. So she just closes the door and she tells them to close the door and she leaves. She tells Dreyfus about it. And he tells her that he thinks, uh, and tells him that she thinks the girls are being visited. She says she heard this voice and Dreyfus is interested, but he believes that Victoria is just dissociative, and on some level she is Mama herself.
1: Well, you know.
0: That's his initial to read theory. The whole script, but That's right. <laughs> we finally get to the county archives where we get to see Dreyfus and this historic records curator. And they actually have the body of Edith Brennan's baby in a shoebox back there. Which I was like,
1: okay, wait a second. So they showed everything kind of, they're like, so they just, okay, well we'll just hang on to it like this. I, that was a little weird for an Indiana Jones
0: scene. It it felt like Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah. Just box rows and rows of boxes. <laughs> right. This lady with, gets with,
1: this. a desiccated body. Okay. Yes. <laughs> And it wasn't in anything. That's the thing. So was, did they like not get the body recovered until after it was kind of all decayed and mummified or did they just shove it in a cardboard box and ignored the smell till it went away? I, I mean, what did they do?
0: Yeah. Or. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say part of me wonders if the baby had been dead way back when. And Edith just yeah. thought it was alive Yeah, and I, that, had like been grave robbing or something like that.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good point. That, that could very well be. I can see that. Definitely. It was still weird. <laughs> Here's
0: the body it, in the box. <laughs> well, this lady gives this speech that ghosts are an emotion bent out of shape, condemned to repeat themselves. And the language is almost verbatim to the definition of ghosts out of Crimson Peak and The Devil's Backbone. Uh, Both are Guillermo del Toro films. Yeah, there you go. It's like this little snippet from his film that got injected. Uh, she He's gives like him building a world. He's, yeah. No. Uh, she gives him the box and tells him to fix this thing. This, you know, this is a wrong that needs corrected. So now he's in the possession of an infant skeleton. Yay. Yeah.
1: Which, you know, if this was a different type of movie, he would mix that up with like the gift he's giving his wife and he'd confuse them. And then we'd have this comedy of errors trying to find Dun, the, da, the da, da,
0: da, right. Different movie. <laughs> yes. Mama opens the box and there's lingerie in it. She's like. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, Annabelle is back at home and uh, we're back with Annabelle and the girls at home and she hears the girls or maybe just Lily whispering to someone and we see mama floating behind her. But when she turns around, mama's gone. And I did like
1: for most of this movie, it was very short glimpses and only partial glimpses of mama, uh, which yes. I think it makes the movie better in general. Uh, when they mm-hmm. start showing up close of the monsters, it loses it sometimes because it's very hard to make that look realistic enough. Except for the CG now, you can do that a little better. Um, it's a good example. had some good close-ups that looked good. But for this movie, I thought the tension was so much better with just the, the a little bit here and there, build it up really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I And I think... Too that you know when you do finally get to see her clearly, even the even the shots are kind of brief. Yeah. So exactly. you don't you don't have time to sit there and linger on the fact that this is actually a man in prosthetics. Um, you know.
1: And they did. They think they did a little bit of other work with that to make it look the way it is. But I think <laughs> yeah, the combination CG going done on. Well. And... Yeah. yeah. It was done well.
0: Um, so this next scene is right out of a Stephen King book. I I saw this scene and I was like, this is something, this happens in Stephen King all the time. (laughs) We're at the hospital and the lights start flickering and the computer terminal starts to type out M-A-M-A-M-A and there's moths all over the place. (laughs) Right. And then Lucas is visited by the twitchy ghost of his brother um, who tells him to save his daughters and he's standing at this bridge and he points in this direction. And he's like, save my girls, go to the cabin. And this whole time, Lucas is having a seizure and the doctors get him stabilized. But Stephen King does that a lot in his books.
1: Yeah.
0: you have like this evil force and he introduces this one, one thread of good that's really struggling to like get the point home. And it's like, okay, here it is. And that little bit of knowledge is just enough to get the hero to whatever they need to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, which I thought it was. Okay, so you had a vision while you're in a coma, so now you're, you you got your point in life of what you got to do, but I did like how they intersect the real world with the paranormal because, again, this is something we talk about around here a lot. And in the paranormal supernatural world, he's seeing his dead brother, he's getting a message, he's seeing where to go the bridge, but in our normal real world, he's having a seizure, so that's you know how it's interpreted. In the different realms, you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- that's a common thing too, because it's easy to show on movies. But I, because I, I talk about that, you know, sometimes if there is uh, something to a paranormal realm that we just don't understand yet, science wise, you know. But anyway, I, I was just going about uh, the intersection between the, the realms. And so there are things sometimes where, I wonder if there's things we just don't understand with science yet, and we interpret them different because of how it looks from our world viewpoint.
0: Yeah, it wasn't Arthur C. Clarke that science was just magic that we don't know how uh, magic is just science, we don't know how it works yet.
1: Right. And, and I argue with Colin about that at times, and I point out how many times in the past. 50, 100, 200, 500 years, something, you know, Galileo was killed because of his scientific observations, but people didn't believe it at that time. And now it's science and not a magical belief, you know? Yeah. My point. Anyway,
0: back to our previously scheduled movie. Uh, Well, you know what? Um, they stabilize him and he's awake now. And like, Lucas and Annabelle and Victoria are hanging out in the hospital, acting like a, you know, like a little family. And Lily, on the other hand, sitting on the floor eating moths, made of chocolate, the... which she doesn't yeah. even really like.
1: That's funny because I did wonder what those were. I'm like, is it like a um, gummy worm or something that she's eating? And she had it all over her mouth. So that fits with chocolate. I like that.
0: Yep. <laughs> Um, but apparently Lucas isn't well enough to come home yet. So Annabelle and the girls. Oh, but
1: in a minute he's well enough to get dressed and run out of the hospital.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So whatever.
0: Uh, yeah. You don't really know how much time passes between that and when he leaves, right. but from the movie standpoint. Yeah. Um, when they get home, Annabelle finds Victoria sitting on the floor of the bathroom crying, and she's struggling to open this jar. And she helps her open her, and she asks her what's wrong, and she kind of comes clean, and she's like, she didn't want to tell Annabelle, um, and because she didn't want her to get hurt, and and she, right. she can't touch Victoria because Mama gets jealous whenever she does. So there's this pseudo coming clean to Annabelle by Victoria, you know, and it's another one of those steps towards. Victoria hitting normalcy. Jean shows up at the door uh, just here to reinforce that she's a bitch and to set herself up to be killed by the monster.
1: In today's parlance, Jean is definitely a Karen.
0: Yes. And she was there because Annabelle forgot all about the fact that it was her day for custody. She calls uh, child services and wants to say that they've been abused. And they're like, you need evidence which I really don't think is the case, but you know, it works for no. this movie and none of these people are in the United States anyways. So how would they know? <laughs> um, and, you know, right about then it becomes really obvious that Jean's going to die. Cause she's going to try and get some evidence and just get eaten by Annabelle. So again, the weak point in the movie for me. Yeah. Um, Lucas, uh, Annabelle's telling Lucas about the interaction and he's kind of like, Psh you know, don't worry about it. It's only going to be another day and then he'll be home. So there you go. It's a, it's another it's just, day. And the girls are the most important thing to him. And then, you know, that leaves her out of the equation. And she is not happy by him saying. <laughs> oh <that>.
1: yeah. <laughs> Someone's buying an expensive gift after this.
0: Brings me back to audition. <laughs> <I> love <laughs> right. only me. Hope, hope Annabelle didn't watch that movie. That's right. <laughs> Um, So we cut to a scene of Dreyfus uh, hypnotizing Victoria again, asking about Mama. And she tells him that she lives in the walls, but she doesn't know where she is now. And then she looks over his shoulder. And this time when he turns around, Mama is moving through the walls and he freaks out and leaves the house and refuses to tell Annabelle what had just happened. And he glances back at Annabelle and sees uh, he seems to feel a little guilty at first, like he's going to go back and tell her. And then he sees movement in the window and he's like, I'm out. And he's just, he's 110% in now.
1: Yeah. He leaves, but then he wants to go to the old house. So that was a little bit, you know, they didn't show enough of him coming to terms with it and, you know, deciding I've got to do this. (laughs) It's a long movie. So
0: You know, I can see maybe it was originally in there and it got cut, but uh, they were so good with doing exposition through other things while stuff's happening. This would have been a good spot to do it in.
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah.
0: But he decides he's going to go back, go out to Helvetia and, and, you know, get final proof. Um, Annabelle, however, has all kinds of exposition here and it comes in the form of a dream. And it's a point of view telling of Edith Brennan's tale where she walks in and there's a nun holding her baby and she stabs the nun with a knitting needle and takes her baby and runs. Um, and then she runs and there's people chasing her. She gets to a cliff and she jumps off the cliff and hits the water and Annabelle wakes up.
1: And and that whole scene What you said that maybe she had other issues, maybe the baby, maybe the baby wasn't even hers. Uh, Maybe it was dead with the the way the people were chasing her. It was very mean and aggressive, which I'm not sure they would have known she stabbed a nun yet. So, uh, you know, I could see multiple theories of why, uh, you know, what else this all happened.
0: I think it would have actually made a more interesting story if that was the case, but you know how much of the past story in this, they just tell you just enough of what happened in the past to set you right. up for what's going on right now. They don't really dive into it. Maybe that's what the sequel is. Maybe. Um, yeah. but when she or wakes maybe up, it's Lily. Well, we'll, we'll come to that. <laughs> when she wakes up, Victoria's in her doorway and you can see mama's under the bed. Like she's like crawling through the mattress yeah. And then Annabelle turns and sees her full on and screams and she wakes up again and she's in an yeah. empty room.
1: And this is where I started noticing uh, the music throughout the movie has been very uh, mood setting and very uh, creepy. Uh, it's not very, it's not like melodies and stuff so much. It's uh it's very disjointed at times but it definitely sets the mood and atmosphere it's
0: more of a chord progression than a specific than a specific melody
1: yeah it's it's a feeling that it's setting way more than a soundtrack you're going to listen to
0: (laughs) yeah um oh okay there's another bad part of this film we're just about to get to it okay (laughs) Dreyfus gets to helvetia um, mama cries at him and he tells her he knows her name and what she wants. And then his flashlight dies and he grabs the stupid camera with the flash. I hate that. You can't see anything. <laughs> the flash goes off a couple times. Mama kills him. Well, All right. The well, doctor's dead.
1: I, the, the flash continued to go off and take pictures when he dropped it. So it had to land perfectly on the shutter to keep going. That, I was like, what the heck?
0: I And, you know, even like La Casa Muda, a movie I love, you know, well done film, uses that same nonsense. Yeah. So, OK, it's just I have it listed here as camera flash trope. So
1: <laughs> we should have kept track of all these and, and marked off and different things happen.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Anyone listening, go back to the episodes, figure that out. Show us a chart. Count it awesome. up.
0: Yeah. Let us know.
1: <laughs> Take a drink for this trope and this one.
0: Uh, back at the house, is going to check on the girls, and as she walks by, we see a physical manifestation of the meeting with Mama on the back of her neck. You can see the black spiderweb <clears throat> that Steve was talking about, like right there where your spine reaches your neck. Um, she can't find Lily inside, so she looks outside and sees her sleeping under a tree. And she brings her in and tries to warm her up, but Lily fights with her for a bit. And then Lily tires out, and I'm. If you've ever had a kid who's having a fit, you just hang on to them long enough, you know. <laughs> if they wear themselves out, that's right. exactly what this was. And then Annabelle breathes on her hand to try and warm her up, and this makes an impact on the girl. And it's probably because Mama's breath is always cold. Yeah, she's not living, um, and it's you, there's like th- all these bonding moments we've had between Annabelle and Victoria check 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 this is the first one she's had with lily and it's the right first- and
1: and at the end with what happens i was like coming back to this scene i'm like why you know did they do that to try and make the impact greater um it, you know it just it seemed weird that they would start bonding and lily would start to come back and then do the ending they did
0: yeah but i think it's also vaguely realistic because you are going to make inroads. You know what I mean? At some point in time, if you know, you have these kids in this situation eventually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I will say though, the girl that played Lily, her face was amazing to watch through this scene. Incredible actress. Yeah. She was doing such a good job with just that little wonder that she, she portrayed. Yep. Uh, I, I was very impressed with that.
0: Yeah. Um, and so Annabelle like nails their window shut. So she can't climb out the window anymore. And she's like doors. It's not my house, but that's okay. Doors. Good. <laughs> windows bad. Um, And she leaves Victoria to cook breakfast and Victoria <laughs> burns it, which, you know, it's probably not surprising.
1: Yeah. Had
0: that. Um, she's, went upstairs to put some clothes away and sees this little bundle in the girl's room, assuming it's Lily under a blanket. And then she finds that Lily's in the kitchen. And then she, and um, while her back is turned, the lump turns into mama who retreats into the closet.
1: And all Annabelle hears is the click of the door.
0: Yes. So she opens a closet and looks and sees that mystical gate on the back in the wall. And Victoria shows up and calls to her. She turns to look, and we see Mama in the closet. When she turns to look at her, we see that Mama's in the closet. Annabelle doesn't see her and closes the closet up. She asks Victoria about her, then finds the doctor in his rush, left all of his research there, including a photo of Edith, who she has seen in her visions. Right. Um, and now she's off to see Dr. Dreyfus, but overhears the receptionist saying that she fears something bad may have happened to him. When the receptionist is gone, Annabelle just steals his shit and takes off. Yeah, she's just like the punk in her really just takes over right there.
1: Now, uh, one thing about uh, Mama, like with the closet, as the movie progresses, Mama goes goes darker. Uh, You know, uh, at the beginning, she's just kind of playing with the girls and with the girls, and you don't see her much. But now you're starting to see her more. Annabelle's registering her more. She's getting. Mama's getting way more aggressive, but it also is partly because the girls are getting more normalized. So, you know, it shows that whole thing. I mean, that arc of the story is pretty well done. Oh, yeah. It builds up pretty well.
0: Yeah. Um, Lucas is still in the hospital and he's sketching this picture of his vision. And then he sees this photo from his uh, times of having the guy go out and look through the woods of Wilson's pass. And that bridge is directly from his dream. So this is when he gets dressed, runs out, rents a car and heads off, um, trying to find the overpass. Uh, he does find the overpass and then following the direction his brother was pointing. He makes his way towards Helvetia. So that's Lucas. We'll put a pin in him and send him right over here. Annabelle starts tearing into Dreyfus's research and finds out he's been writing an entire paper on mama. Um, she hears the interviews with Victoria. We get some exposition through his research um, uh, and find out about the dead baby. It didn't hit the water. It got snagged into a tree branch on the side of the cliff. And um, then Annabelle realizes that in the shoebox is the baby. Luke's having a
1: very weird couple days.
0: Yes. (laughs) Lucas is on his way to the cabin and he tries to call Annabelle, but she's not answering. Annabelle is crying in the den and the girls come down, see her crying and seem concerned. Victoria hugs her and looks at Lily who shakes her head. No, she's, she's not ready for that kind of intimacy yet. So Victoria says, good night, Annabelle. I love you. Now, Jean has snuck into the house with a camera we hear the moths in the girls room and that's something else the foley work really harkens back to guillermo del toro stuff he loves making insecty sounding kind of creatures in his movies and mama has Oops. that kind of thing and i dropped you again
1: There you are. Yeah. That's weird.
0: No, that this is all me. This is my Wi-Fi acting up.
1: Uh, mine acts up too. Welcome to the the, the uh, redneck uh, wire or redneck uh, cable. Yeah. Anyway, so the Foley work. Uh,
0: yeah, I was just gonna say that Guillermo the Toro likes the scratchy kind of insect sounding stuff, yeah. and Mama has that same kind of sound, kind of thing. Yeah. With the mods and. and-, and-
1: the, the part where the, the sounds were going through the vents and stuff. Uh, and then, it, you know, you heard it get deeper. Yeah. So that yeah. was good.
0: Um, Victoria wakes Lily. Um, and as they leave the room and head downstairs, Victoria checks on Annabelle, who is watching the interviews with her headphones on completely oblivious to the girls. Lily is looking at, Edith, in the other room, Mama, who is just standing there. Victoria tells her not to look at her because she's crazy, and then Mama lunges at them, and that's the jump scare that got me. Gotcha. The girls run upstairs screaming. Lily gets to the room first and shuts the door, leaving Victoria out in the hallway. (laughs) Nice little sister. I don't have to be faster than the ghost, just faster than you. (laughs) Annabelle comes up and hugs Victoria and asks her what's going on, and Lily shrieks from the other room. And Mama is in there and not being nice anymore. Yeah. They all run away, and Mama trips Annabelle, and then puts her hand on the bruise on her neck. And this, like, seems to completely incapacitate her. Victoria calls out to her, telling her, You promised. So apparently Victoria has had to deal with Mama that she would not hurt Annabelle. Yeah. Mama crawls over towards her and pulls her glasses off and crushes them. Like, yeah, well, you were my kid first, and we're getting rid of all these signs of civilization. Gene, who's outside with a camera getting ready to take pictures of child abuse, hears something and proceeds to break into the house. Mama, sensing someone new, crawls off, and the girls try to wake up Annabelle. Downstairs, this is kind of funny to me, um, Jean is standing in, I think, the kitchen, and it looks like this wig comes crawling over to her and she's looking at it like completely confused and probably appalled. And it gets to her feet, mama looks up and Jean screams, and it cuts back to the girls.
1: That Vic- was a good good special effects in that. Yeah. It looked good.
0: Yeah. Victoria goes downstairs and sees Gene and asks if she's okay. And when she turns around, it's actually like Mama cramming herself into Gene's body and Victoria screams. Yeah.
1: Now, this whole thing here, Lily gets scared and runs. And she's helping Victoria try and wake up Annabelle and all that jazz. So then again, at the end, she does reversal from that. So, you know, it seemed like with the bonding and this, she was coming closer to You know, and then they change that so that, you know, I wasn't completely happy with how they ended it because I didn't think the story led to that. That's why not that it was horrible. It just didn't they didn't lead up to it.
0: Yeah. Yep. It happened again. Oh, Okay. Well, and I get you. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because your video is for us on my end, but that oh. doesn't really matter. Oh, okay, there you go. I okay, I hear you. I kind of agree, except I think that especially with little kids, their uh, emotions are very infectious. And so you're not there anymore. No, I'm here. I hear you. Oh, okay. Cool. Emotions are very infectious, and so if you have a little kid and you like go, boo, and like everyone starts screaming, the little kid's going to scream anyways. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, while she's passed out, Annabelle's having another vision of Edith. And the moths that are the symbol of Mama were actually nesting in her corpse as she laid rotting in the water. Um, and as they burst free and fly out of her corpse, Annabelle wakes up. And the girls are gone, so she grabs a shoebox and heads out for the woods. And she's calling Lucas this time, but she keeps getting his voicemail. And then she almost runs him over in the road. So Lucas (laughs) apparently wandered around the woods, lost for the better part of the day, and now it's night. And Annabelle just happened to be on
1: the road right when she drove by.
0: Yes. Okay. Maybe it's the uh, the spirit of his brother influencing things.
1: I guess.
0: (laughs) Um, But then the two of them find Helvetia and head in. And Jean is there, but she's dead. No sign of the doctor anywhere. Yeah. They head outside and see this cliff in the backyard. And Mama is up there adorning the girls with flowery crowns. Lucas and Annabelle run up to the ledge and they call out to the girls. And Victoria looks back, but Lily continues to look at the edge where Mama floats up. She extends her arms and Lily smiles and gets up walking to her. Lucas runs up and stops her with a tackle. And then mama starts with the whole, I'm going to put my hand on your face and completely incapacitate you, which he should be happy because most of the time she just snaps your neck. <laughs> um, before Edith can snap his neck. However, Annabelle calls out and is holding the corpse of her baby that was in the shoebox, and mama flies over and grabs the bundle and pulls back the cowl and sees the little skull and she reverts back to mostly a human spirit and she starts to cry and you can see like she takes on instead of just being this like angry ghostly face, she takes on like actual features, human features. Right. Yeah. Um, And all the living people are huddling back together like the little family that they have become. And then Lily calls out, calls out and edith now it's not even mama it's like the ghost of edith like stops and looks back and says lily and then she just throws the infant's corpse away and turns back into the rage monster that is mama
1: right which that leaves it that i can see where the sequel could come in it could still be her because i was like okay well you have your child but then it's like nope don't care about that anymore. I've got this new one I've got to get. And uh, I, it was like, wow. So I could see, you know, even though everything happens here at the end, there could be a sequel with her still.
0: Uh, We've mentioned this movie so many times, this series, the haunting of blind Manor. Did you see it? Yeah. They do that whole, that whole episode where they go on about all the other ghosts that are in the house. And they talk about how the longer they're there, the less they actually remember about the specifics of what they want. They just know that they want oh, that it. Sense. And that kind okay. of, that kind of comes into play here where like mama wanted her child, which probably might probably wasn't even her child, you know, at the start. Yeah, yeah, And then for a half a second, she had it, but then just the, she's nothing but emotion anyways. And the emotion came back as soon as Lily called out to her.
1: That, that's kind of what's keeping her uh, grounded in our world, I guess.
0: Yeah. So Mama takes both girls and she takes them to the edge and Annabelle like continues trying to stop her, but Mama keeps winning. And Victoria She's like
1: the Terminator here.
0: Yes. She she's down and just keeps crawling. And Victoria's like, just just lay down, just close your eyes. You know, Victoria's like, this is gonna happen. We're we're done for. Just you know, you save yourself is basically what she's saying. <laughs>
1: right.
0: um, Annabelle keeps trying and mama keeps winning and they get to the cliff edge Victoria is not coming anymore because Annabelle won't let her go and so mama looks back and what some sort of recognition of like what Annabelle's feeling she lets Victoria go and right. um Lily does that whole Victoria come and Victoria's like Victoria stay and mama takes Lily and Lily's cool with it and they fly up into the air and she wraps her in her cloak thing and they both plummet to the water below. But even as they're falling, there's this scene of like Lily and mama wrapped up in the blanket and Lily's like giggling as they're falling.
1: yeah
0: Annabelle and Victoria are crying out for her and Lily and Edith hit that branch and just burst into a cloud of moths right And then Lucas wakes up. typical guy this <laughs> is all the action <laughs> what I miss. <laughs> Yeah. Um, And then this, this moth comes down and lands and it's, it's a different moth. It's not just the black ones. This one has this big splash of blue. And is this, is this moth like the lily moth? Right. And then the moth um, at the camera, you know, it's like, this is the end of the fairy tale. And once again, it does not pay to be a kid in a Spanish based horror movie because bad (laughs) things happen to you. Right. But I just kept thinking, because the, they're going to do a sequel, I was like, the legal aftermath of these events would have been disastrous. True. Where's Lily? You took responsibility. She's gone. <laughs> Where's the doctor? Last we saw, he went to your house, and now he's yeah. missing. Oh, hey, look, here's it... here's Jean's car parked outside your house. <laughs> She's missing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we, we kind of skip the uh, reality of it, but that's fairy tales. That's too, a fairy you know? tale, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I I don't know the 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 thing with all Lily Holy at the end. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not big on happy endings in horror movies, and this was a half happy ending. Um, but when they hit that branch, I expected Lily to be hanging there. Like the baby was originally. And in the one flashback, they showed the blankets and stuff still there. So I wondered if the baby originally like was hanging there and died hanging on the branch before they got it, you know, and I was you know, waiting for Lily
0: to be hanging there. So it actually kind of lends back to the idea that the baby was originally a skeleton because the branch didn't really look like True. it could hold the weight true (laughs) and it certainly couldn't hold the weight of a full of you know what eight six year old lily i mean she would have just snapped the thing um true but if instead edith had been carrying around just a an infant skeleton in a blanket it doesn't weigh anything it could have got snagged and just hung there you know what i mean
1: that's true and that scene with the the uh nine that she kills you know maybe I'll go back and just look at that. Maybe they were had the dead baby and they were preparing it for burial and stuff. And, could be. And that's when Edith snapped and don't take my baby. Yeah. I and mean, That's seems plausible.
0: Yeah. It, it, the whole movie, there's a whole lot of ambiguity about the past. There's just enough hints to let you know that, you know, this kind of thing happened, but not enough to fill you into what was reality and what was her hallucination. Right. Well, um,
1: that that fits, too, what you said about the ghosts don't remember. I mean, because our memories change as we remember them.
0: Fade over and, you know, time, that, yep.
1: Yeah, that fits very well with that whole uh, scenario like that. So.
0: Yeah. So there's Mama, the American film that really isn't.
1: <laughs> Which, that, you know, I mean, if we're going to watch an American film, let's watch the American film that isn't an American film.
0: That's I, right. You
1: know, I love that. Yes. So. For next time, uh, we decided we're going to do Krampus. It's Christmas season. And it that's is a great visitor.
0: It is. It is a visitor, uh, a cultural visitor, the visitation of a cultural entity visiting you. Um, and there's lots of Krampus movies out there, so you actually have to tune in to find out which one we're watching. Are we watching the super crappy one, or are we watching, like, the real good one? So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of super crappy ones. There are. <laughs> there, I mean, super crappy to the point where this is, like, the college students filming it. But they're actually uh, the woodshop college students, not the film
0: major college right. students. Yes. There's
1: some bad Krampus movies.
0: And typically I don't watch bad remakes, but when I was trying to get Krampus, I just kept requesting them. And the ones they kept sending me were the crappy ones. And so I'd watch them <laughs> and be like, this isn't the one I thought about. Right. So I've seen <laughs> a bunch of the bad ones. Right.
1: So, all right. Cool. Here we go, Mama. Good to go. creature slips and from perception, pay attention, it will rise again.